0: Turn over to Acts 4 as they're making their way out. And we'll continue on with our study in Acts this morning. Last time we were together in Acts, we were talking about the lame man being healed. And he sat by the gate beautiful for many, many years. Now he was over 40 years old. God had done a, mir- <clears throat> had done a miracle in his life. And you remember when we left off last time, uh, Peter and John had been, been uh, arrested for what they had done. They were speaking the name of Jesus, and the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, the ruling body, the government of that time did not like them talking about the name of Jesus. That was They were kind of the watchdogs. If anybody got out of line, they were the ones to put them back in line. So they had arrested them, put them in jail overnight, and today we're going to look at the court case for that briefly, and then we'll get into a prayer meeting that was like none other want us to understand that the persecution of the church is about to break out. And you know that the first part of Acts is, is mainly talking to the Jewish people, but I think there's a lot of things we can learn as we look at this and how they handled themselves, how they went about God's business in the face of persecution. I believe the church in America today is under persecution. Would you say amen to that? I believe the church is under persecution. Probably the church has always been under persecution to be honest with it, but it seems like right now It's it's at an all-time high We have different denominations stepping outside of the Bible and saying that the Bible is not totally accurate anymore And uh, it worries me as we look across our nation how many are turning from the truth? And this is the truth guys I've told you before from top to bottom from front page Genesis to the back page of Revelation This is the truth. This truth never changes It didn't go out of date. It's not antiquated or antique or old It is a truth of god and will always be the truth of god. His word shall not fail And so as we look at this this morning, we can find a way that we can survive that we can face persecution But we can still lift up the name of god and lift up the name of jesus in our lifetime Now the early church had none of the advantages that we have today, you know, they they didn't have these big fine buildings they didn't have the huge, big budgets like we have. Uh, and you say, well, our budget isn't that big, and I, I understand that. But it's a big budget compared to what they would have had. They, their preachers were not, they didn't have all the degrees from the schools that they needed to have their preachers from, their just degrees. And uh, there was no endorsements from people of influence. You know, a lot of people love it when somebody high up in the world endorses their church, endorses their religion. And so there was nobody high up endorsing Jesus Christ. This was, as we say today, a grassroots effort that came up from the bottom and Jesus was doing remarkable things. The other thing is to think about it, most of their ministers had jail records. If you think about that, they had been in jail and very likely they could not even become a member of a church today, much less lead a church if they had the credentials that they had back in Acts. But isn't it amazing that if you're doing things for God, God makes a way for all that to work out. And it's an amazing thing to think about. So, if they didn't have all these things, if they had all these poor leaders, so to speak, if they had no major credentials, if, if things just seemed to be totally opposite of what they needed to be successful, why in the world was the early church growing at a rate of about 2,000 a day? Let me tell you the secret. Are you ready? Listen real close. They knew how to pray. They knew how to pray. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you this morning, if we want to change this world, if we want to change this country, we got to know how to pray. It's not about getting somebody out of office or into office. It's knowing how to pray. And we have not called upon the name of the Lord like we should. We have prayed our little lunch prayers and our little, thank you, God, now I lay me down to sleep so long. And as we talked about in youth class this morning, We have the very privilege of knowing the name of God. We have the very privilege of calling on the most holy high God of all. We have a privilege of talking to the one that created everything you see, and yet we use it just as a flyby, as in dire emergency. Sometimes, sometimes we do not call upon the name of the Lord like it should be called upon, or that his power will make things shake like it did in these verses. These people called upon the name of the Lord and you know what happened the building shook Now if the building shook this morning the first thing we think of the new Madrid fault and we're all gone But what happened that night when they prayed is the building shook Because he is here And we will never be the same they said and that was the difference That was the difference in those churches and the churches of today We have forgot the power of prayer in a lot of our churches in america When asked to explain his remarkable ministry, the British preacher Charles Hayden Spurgeon said, here's the key to my success, my people pray for me. I know in this room there are people that pray for me every day. And I thank you for that from the bottom of my heart. I ask you to keep praying for me because I need those prayers. Just like you asked me to pray for you and I love praying for you, I ask you to pray for me. Another man, his name was St. Augustine said, pray as though everything depended on God and work as though everything depends on you. You know, sometimes we like to pray, and we go, well, we left it in God's hands. I'm leaving it in God's hands, and that's a good thing. But you know what God says? He didn't say to leave it in my hands and go sit down. He said, take my yoke upon you. A yoke means that we're going to get in here and we're going to work together. If you got two oxen or two cows back in the old days yoked together, they had this brace that went across them, and they were there together, and two of them could do more than one. Jesus said, don't lay it all in me and then just go sit down. He said, yoke with me. Let me take my yoke upon you and let's go together because there is more strength in the power of God and there's more strength to do. So St. Augustine said one more time, pray as though everything depended on God and work as though everything depends on you. We want to sit over to the side and pray, but there's a time where we get up from our prayers and we go to work. And we go to work and the church of America has got to go to work today We have got to go to work. God is just it's in the background of all of our lives He is not in the forefront guys And how do I know that? Look at our country Look at the direction our country is headed and, and god is in the background Look at our dedication to god. He's in the background What is the first thing you think about on sunday morning? Is it is it coming to church? Is it knowing more about god or is it heading somewhere else? What is the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning how I hate my job How I wish I had something different or is it God helped me to make the most of the situation you put me in Do you realize that every situation you're in God has allowed that to happen? You know people are screaming at the president today and they hate him and they're ready for him to leave And they think he's the worst person in the world But you know what there is nobody putting authority that God hadn't put there He's put him there for a purpose. He's put him there to get our attention. He's put him there to get us up off our duff and go to work for Jesus Christ. Because we've had it too easy in this country. But we don't want to talk about that. We just want him out of there and get somebody else in there. And we'll have the same problem because we're going to still be sitting back and watching. And we sit and scream and scream and scream. And all the while, we're not telling anybody about Jesus. We're not telling people that they're lost and need Jesus and proclaiming the name of Jesus. We're just blaming it on Barack Obama. And I know that don't sit well with a lot of you. But guys, that's not our problem in Washington. Our problem is the man and woman in the mirror that will not stand up for Jesus Christ. God is putting us in a position. He's going to push us into a position where we're going to either stand up for him or we're going to sit down and shut our mouth. And guys, he wants us to stand up and proclaim his holy name. He is Lord. He is God. He is Lord of all creation. He is king. He is king. And guys, that's the answer to our country. The answer is not in the election it's in the people of God praying praying till God shakes his place And brings us to a reality that we need to put God number one and not somewhere way down on the list Amen or not. Amen. Oh me All right. That's the way it is That's the truth And and i'm just i'm just tired of blaming it on somebody We all want to blame it on somebody But it's it's not that fault. It's our fault It's our fault because church is not number one because God is not number one in our life And God has allowed this to happen to move us in. He's done it all through the Old Testament He did it all through the Old Testament Every time God's people would go against him He allowed them to be overdone by a ruler that wasn't worthy of God But he did that to move them back to Christ And he's moving us back to Christ. And when we straighten up, when we get to where we need to be, God's going to put a ruler over us that's godly. You want a godly ruler? Live godly. That's that's the way the Bible, that's the formula of the Bible. When we don't live godly, we won't have a godly ruler. He's going to put somebody over you that you want. If you don't want to be godly, he'll give you an ungodly ruler. I can't say that loud enough this morning. All right, that's just the warm-up. We'll get into the scriptures now. Acts 4. <clears throat> but I think it's pointed out in this. These people were dealing with the ruined government of the time, and we see how they handled them. Let's see how they handled them this morning. Acts, one, uh, verse, Acts 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Now, this is right after they healed the lame man, right after that. Verse 2, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now, they didn't like that. They were modern thinkers. They were, uh, progressive. They were, maybe we call them liberals of our time. And, and they were, they were trying to make everything make sense in their brain. And they didn't believe in a resurrection from the dead. And so that was, that was old fashioned. That never really existed. So I'm, that's kind of progressive. They were saying that's old fashioned. There's not resurrection. And so we're coming into a new life, a new age where what the old Bible says doesn't matter anymore. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? That's what they're dealing with here. So, since they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead, they were going to arrest them. God wanted them to know that He came back from the dead so that we don't have to stay dead. We can know Jesus Christ. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Wow. The church is growing. The government, the ruling bodies, the unbelievers are trying to stop it, but I'm telling you the truth this morning, guys, just in our day, the Word of God will not fail. The Word of God will not die. His Word will never perish. It will never fade away. Don't be afraid. Don't let these people scare you to death. Stand up for yourself and trust in God's Word. We're scared to death what we read on Facebook every day. Turn that stuff off if it scares you that day. And getting God's word, that'll get you excited. Or it convict you one. And I'm talking to myself today, too. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas. That's his son-in-law. John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. All in all, about six or seven of Annas's family began, be- became rulers or high priests. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question him, and I love this question, by what power or what name did you do this? Where in the world did you get the ability to do this? Then Peter, what was he? He just got up on his own accord? No. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Guys, there is something that I'm still trying to get my brain around. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me. When you're saved, Friday night, when Natalie gave her life to Jesus, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. You get that at the time you're saved. Every one of us in here that know Jesus' Savior, when we were saved, we got the Holy Spirit. He come to indwell us. But, 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 all throughout our Christian life, we must be filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is still there, but being filled and, and getting close to God. And How, how do I know? What, what is being filled with the Spirit? Being filled with the Spirit indicates these things real quickly. Obedience to the Lord its not on screen, guys. Obedience to the Lord. If I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm going to be obedient to His Word. I'm going to do what the Word says. All right? If I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm going to do what the Word says. Number two, walking in the light. I do things right. I treat people right, and I reflect Jesus. Are you doing that? Number three, yield to the Lord. It's not always about you. Well, I deserve it. Well, I work, I work hard. Well, I need this. I need that. It's not always about you, folks. This following Jesus is about him. That's why you call him Lord. That's not just a word that we thought up in Sunday school to use. It sounds pretty. You call him Lord because he is sovereign. He is God. He is absolute master. Think about that. That translates absolute master. Sovereign Lord translates absolute master. Well, I don't want anybody to be my master then you can't be God's. You can't be God's. Absolute master. Think about that. Dwell on that just a minute. That's a big word. Number four, extreme trust. Nothing can shake my trust in Jesus and his word. Nothing can shake my trust in Jesus. That's being filled with the spirit. Now, how do we get there? Prayer, reading the word, trusting God no matter what may come. And I think it's important to be with congregation. We're going to see that in just a minute. I believe is all this is important to being filled with the Holy Spirit. So, getting back to Peter, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he was doing all these things. You cannot get up in front of people that want to kill you and say the things he's about to say without being filled with the Spirit. Said to them rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame or being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he didn't stop there. Here's how you know he's filled with the Spirit. Whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. And this man stands before you healed. Amen. I can hear those guys with him. Them 5,000 just saved. Amen. He's standing right there. The lame man is set by the gate, beautiful for all his life. He's standing there. How in the world can they deny Jesus working? And he said the one name that they didn't want to hear. He could have said Pilate, he could have said Caesar, he could have said Fred, he could have said anything. But he said the one name that they did not want to hear, Jesus Christ, and not only just some Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The one that you denied was the Messiah, the one that you hung on a cross, the one that you thought you put to death, He's not only did that for us, he's not only paid the price, but you know what? He's alive today. And that's the power of the name that I called on to see this man come to know Jesus Christ. Son, their ears must have been buzzing. Man, you could just see him shaking. They didn't know what to do next. Because he just stood up in front of everybody and proclaimed whose name it was. Here's the man standing here. Rick, there's not a lot to argue with, you know? There's not a lot of ways out of this. I love their response. And then he goes a little bit further in 11. Jesus, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Now, they were very familiar with Psalms and all these things. And they said, Jesus, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. The cornerstone. This is what everything else is going to be built on. And then he says amazing verse, guys. And this is the verse that people do not want to hear today. This is the verse that people do not want to hear in the world today. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Boy, that narrows it down, don't it? I love that. I don't have to guess. I don't have to wonder how to be saved. I don't have to wonder if I'm going to heaven. There is only one name that I can call on that will get me to heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ. Have you called on that name today? Have you asked Jesus Christ to save you? I mean, really. Can you look way down deep and remember the day that you gave Jesus your life? Not, not that you came to Sunday school, not that mom and dad brought you or grandma brought you, but do you know of a time when you called upon the name of Jesus Christ yourself? It doesn't matter about what you've had in the past, what you did in the past, where you went to church in the past, what other things you learned, but now you know the truth. And everything else, guys, is just kind of muddying up the waters. We want to debate about this and we want to argue about this in the scriptures and oh i think it means this i think it means that but i think this is so clear and so concise and you don't have to wonder and this is where the whole thing hinges on right here let me read it one more time it's a big verse underline it if you underline in your bible salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved jesus is Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. We sung it this morning. What power, what power. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What a testimony. What a testimony. They may not speak the best, they may not get every punctuation mark right. They may talk a little weird. They may have a weird accent, but you know what them men knew? They knew this. They knew they had been with Jesus. That's what I want people to say about me, isn't it? What you want people to say about you? I don't know about that, Todd. He looks a little weird. He's a little bit chubby around the middle. And he talks, he gets his tongue all tied up sometime in the pulpit. But I do know one thing. He has been with Jesus. That's what I want people to say about me. That's what you should want people to say about you. Now, does that mean I'm perfect? Oh, no. Does that mean I get everything right? Oh, no. I fail miserably. But I want people, when they hear my name, I want to think about Jesus. And that's what was going on here. They remembered. These men, they didn't like Jesus. They didn't want nothing to do with him. But they had listened to him teach because they was always in the background trying to catch him with something. And they had heard him talk and heard him speak and heard him preach and they knew where he'd come from and they go, you know what? These men sound just like Jesus. Oh, what a compliment. What a compliment. These men sound just like Jesus. Oh, if people could talk about the people at First Baptist Church like that. I don't know. I know they got some flaws and I know they're not all perfect, but you know what? They sound just like Jesus. They know where their light is. Their light is Jesus Christ. Man, what a testimony. Can you feel the power? Can you feel the presence of Jesus? Can you feel how important a spirit-filled life is? It's real important. Guys, listen to me. They were, they were overwhelmed they, with their courage. They were standing before men that could put them to death. They could just, now they may not do it themselves, but they'd get people riled up. They, oh, they're blaspheming, oh, they're doing this. And people were just standing around with a rock in their hand. They're, ready to, they're just ready to crucify somebody anytime they get a chance. Look at Stephen, for instance. He's just preaching the word. Somebody said one wrong thing from the back of the crowd. He's speaking blasphemy. Next thing you know, they're all throwing rocks at him and killing him. So these people are ready to go at the drop of a hat. But they can't, they don't know what to do. It all fits. It all fits together. Mm. Amazing. But since, verse 14, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. <laughs> it's hard to argue with proof. <laughs> and listen, let me read a little bit further. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferring together. Now, here, here was their big answer to the problem. Well, let's go in the back room and talk about this. <laughs> We're out here in front of everybody and this isn't working because they're speaking with courage. They're speaking about the name of Jesus Christ. They just stood up and said that no one can get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. And they've got a man standing there that's been healed by the name and the name and the power of Jesus Christ. And everybody knows that guy. And I even paid alms to him myself at one time or the other. And I prayed for him and he's standing there fully whole and healed. And something is is really different here. And we don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to handle it. I think this, I think this, I think if the church of America got on fire for the Lord and begin living the life like we should in all facets of our life, I think people would be scratching their head in America going, this is a real deal. I, I just, I'm overwhelmed. I, I, you know, you know, and because right now they can fight us because one moment we're sitting in the church, the next minute we're down there cussing at the block. You know, one minute we're sitting in church, the next minute we look just like everybody else there's no difference we don't carry it out of here sometimes we have to be careful about that because they want to see if it's real that's why people are just saying well the bible's not in it's not in vogue anymore it's not popular anymore because they've not seen us live it in all facets of our life it's very difficult yes we're going to sin yes we're going to do wrong things but that should be a minimal thing that shouldn't be something we just do because oh oh, everybody's a sinner we're all going to sin oh oh you know i've got bad in me so, so, you know, that's just the way it is It's not the way we should look at it Sin sin can be a minimal thing in your life rather than a big thing in your life Because the bible tells we have power over sin through jesus christ You think about that for a minute we have power over sin He said i'm not going to put you anywhere where you don't have the power to get through it With any temptation i'll bring you through it if you'll just trust in me That's kind of paraphrased, but that's what he's saying so it ought to be minimal. It shouldn't be the biggest thing in our life is sin. And let me just kind of put it out there for everybody to watch. See, we live in a day now where everybody knows exactly what you're doing. We just put it on Facebook. Look at me. Woohoo. Cheers. We love that stuff. Don't they go to the church? You see what I mean? Living the life. We got to be real. We got to be real. Verse 16, what what are we going to do with these men, they ask. Now remember, they're in the back room now. They've kind of went away from the crowd. They're in the back room trying to figure out what to do. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Now... I love this. Here's the most smartest men in Jerusalem. Here's the ruling body, the government. They, they have got an answer for everything. And here's their response in telling them what to do. Y'all stop. Y'all stop. Why? Because we said so. Sounds like parents, doesn't it, doesn't it kids? Y'all don't do that. Why, Mama? Because I said so. This is all the ruling body, the most powerful men in Jerusalem. This is all they could come up with on this one. They were bum-fuzzled. They didn't know what to do. He's standing there before us. It's Jesus Christ. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. It looks like about half of them would have just got on their knees and give their heart to Jesus. You know? Because the proof is there. But they said, you guys stop. Why? Because we said so. But then Peter stands up. Now listen, remember these people have the, the power to take his life. But Peter and John replied, What is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. These guys believed in God. They didn't so much believe in Jesus. I'm talking about the, the, the ruling body. But they knew there was a God. So Peter and John asked him a very poignant question. They said, You think it's better that I believe in you and do what you say or do what God says? You judge. Now, if they would have asked him that same question, you know what their answer would have been? I think you ought to believe in God. So Peter says, you know what? We just can't shut up talking about him. Danny sings a song, can't stop, can't stop talking about my Jesus. We just can't stop it. Every time you get around that guy, he's talking about Jesus. Every time you get around him, he's wanting to tell me more about what's going on in his church. Every time you get around that lady, she's just talking about her Sunday school class. Every time you get around that man, he's talking about their great group down there that walks together and, and, and prays together and does some great things. That's all they talk about is church, 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 and God, 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 and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's just crazy. Can't stop talking about it. You know why? You know why? It's not because we're better than anybody. It's not because we got it all figured out. It's because he's done the most remarkable miracle in our life. He has saved us from a devil's hell. And when we believe in him, we can go to heaven someday. We can live an abundant life. We have been given a ticket, a golden ticket to eternity through Jesus Christ. Nobody, I mean nobody, has changed your life in that way but Jesus Christ. I mean, if somebody gave you 50 bucks, you'd tell more people than you would about somebody that saved your life. Be honest. I think we would tell more people that somebody give us $50 than we would that Jesus changed my life and give me eternity in heaven. Shows you where our hearts is. Mm. I'm sorry. After further threats, they let him go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. (laughs) This wasn't just some kid. This guy was talking. I'm sure he was chattering. They did it. They did it. I sat there for years. I couldn't move. My legs legs didn't work. And look at me now. Look at me now. I'm fine. I I imagine he was just chattering in the background the whole time. (laughs) I'm healed. I can't believe it. I imagine he told a few folks, don't you? And he really didn't have to because everybody knew him. He just went down the street praising God, praising God. I'm about to run out of time let's move on a little bit guys skip on down to well let me let me keep reading i'll just keep reading quit talking so much let's read 23 on the release peter and john went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them i gotta stop there that's a good part i'm sorry where's the first place they went to when they got out of jail they went to their church I love this quote. In all ages, one's test of a Christian's character is where he finds fellowship and companionship. Where do you hang out? Where do you hang out? Where do you go when the chips are down? Where do you go when life's good? Where do you go when life's hard? Where's the first place you think of to go? Is it a Christian friend? Is it a Christian mom and dad? Or is it some other place far, far away from God? The true test of a Christian's character is where they hang out. Where you hang out. See, what we want to do is spend all of our time saying, well, God's okay with that. God's okay with this. Maybe not. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, absolute master, they said. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. What power? We get to call upon God's name. Man, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. There's the part I'm saying. Was those the worst people in the world for putting Jesus to death on a cross? Yeah, kind of. But, but, did God allow that to happen? Yes. Why did he allow that to happen? So that me and you could know Christ. We had no way of salvation. So here's something evil and awful. as crucifixion. God allowed that to happen so that people could know him as Savior. You see what I mean when I was screaming at you at the early part there and all fired up? God is not, this is not caught God by surprise where, the Amer- where America is today. He's not surprised by this. But he's going to put someone there that will drive us back to him if we'll listen. If we'll do it. These people knew they knew Herod and Pontius Pilate. Those were evil people But god allowed them to be over them to drive them into his arms Anything god allows you into your life is to drive you into his arms He don't say ha ha look there. I zapped you with something bad. Ha ha. I let something bad happen to you It drives you into the arms of jesus because that is the safest place in all of eternity Where is the safest place in this world you can be? In the arms of Jesus. When everything's good, why do we run away from him? Why do we get out there and not even think about him? The only time we think about him is when life gets hard. And when we're pushed and we're pressed and we're pressured. Then we want to run into the arms of Jesus. If we'd stay there, we wouldn't have to go through all this. But we're just like the Israelites of the Bible. They would repent. They would live for God for a while. They'd fall and do their own thing. They'd fall into sin. He'd put an evil ruler over them, and boom, here it come again. Boop. They'd repent and start the whole cycle over again. And we're still like that today. The only thing that causes people to change is pain. The only thing that causes people to change is pain. When the pain gets great enough, then we'll change. If it doesn't, we're just going to keep on doing whatever we want to do. Why do you think an addict has to go to rock bottom to change? Because the pain gets so great. Why do we have to be knocked off our, our, our feet to, to look up to God? Because we try to be self-sufficient. We are not built that way. God didn't make us that way. He made us to worship him and to follow him. It's in our hearts. It's innately there. We cannot change that. So we either worship him or we worship something else. And when we worship something else, everything gets out of whack. Everything gets out of whack. Last scriptures. They did what your power will and had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, listen to this, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Woo! That's the kind of prayer meeting America needs. We need to be shaking off our feet for the Lord. Instead, we're trying to blame it on some political party or some agenda. And it started way back over in 2 Chronicles. If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and do what? Pray, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. I'll hear, I'll heal. Your land That's a really hard formula to understand, isn't it? That's pretty simple You notice they didn't pray For their leaders to be abolished Or, or zapped or killed or anything What did they pray for? Did they pray for to make their life easier? Take the hardness away? What did they pray for? They prayed for more boldness to go tell the word of God Man That's not the way we pray today We want God to fix it Woo-hoo. Rub a magic lamp Genie God, woo do a miracle. Take away all my pain so I can keep doing whatever I want to do. That's not the way they prayed. They prayed, God, make me more bold. Make me go in the face of those that deny you and to speak your name with love and gentleness and power and holiness because you are holy and you are the one that I want to speak of. I can't stop shutting up about him. I can't do it. I will not shut up speaking his name. That's power. That's not looking for the easy way out. Guys, listen, I, you know me. I'm no fortune teller or I just know a few things about the future because they're in God's word. But I believe, I believe he is going to have us stand up like we've never stood up before. And this is not going to be an easy journey. The pressure is going to get tough. Tough. Guys, listen to me. And I know this is preacher speak, and I know you hear me say this about every third sermon. You better get in here. You better make this number one priority. You better get in that word. You better get on your knees because it's fixing to get ugly. The Bible says it's going to get ugly before Jesus returns. Guys, we got to know where we're grounded. We got to know where we are anchored. And you've got to keep that in your mind, not just one time a week, not just one hour a week, but every day of your life. Because it's going to be a time when you're going to have to stand up. And it may be father standing against daughter, and mother standing against son, or husband standing against wife. It talks about that in the scripture. Now, am I looking forward to that? No. Does that make me happy to say that to you this morning? No. But I know from what the Word says, persecution's coming. And you know why I say that? Because this country is turning their back on God. We cannot say that this is right when God says it's wrong. And that's anything, anything. And this country is trying to change the Word of God. And when you do that, judgment is coming. Now, you can do that and take that the way you want. And you can say, Brother Todd's full of mess, and I understand that. But I don't think the Bible's full of mess. And I believe we better wake up because I think the real days are coming, the hard days. Hard days like we've not been able to see in our lifetime because we've had it pretty good. We've had it pretty good. Let's pray. Now, Father, we come this morning, we thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you for bold men. And Lord, I I know I'm far from being as bold as I need to be. Lord, I pray that you would make me bolder. I pray that you would just help me stay close to the cross and help me to keep my family close to the cross. Lord, we we don't want to go through persecution, but Lord, you have given time and time and time, and Lord, it doesn't seem to be changing the heart of America. And Lord, I'm afraid that pain is the only thing we're going to understand. Lord, I pray that if it be your will, you could forgive us. Lord, I pray that you would just touch America. And Lord, I know that begins with me. And I pray that you touch my heart and help me to live a good life, a holy life, a spirit-filled life. Lord, forgive me when I go at this halfway. Lord, help me to teach my daughters. Help me to be there for my wife. And, Lord, I pray for the churches of America. I pray for the churches that are turning their back on your word. I pray for the churches that are standing strong. And, Lord, I, I know in this congregation there are people that pray and seek your will every day of their life, and I am, I am so thankful for people like that. Lord, help us to grow. Not so much in numbers, and, yes, we, we, we love numbers. But help us to grow as individuals in Christ. Help us to stop blaming everybody else for our predicament. And help us to live the life. May we render under God what is God's. And that's what we'll take care of everything else. Be with us this morning, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.